the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right. Welcome back to Mission Life Podcast. Today, we have Nathan Sheridan on the show. Nathan is a contemporary Christian music artist out of Nashville, as well as a military veteran who was awarded a volunteer service medal. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Nathan, let's go back a little. Can you share some of the story of how your childhood, your personal experiences, and your time in the Army have shaped your musical journey? Yes, absolutely. You know, I always like to say I didn't really have the best start in life. Uh, my parents, especially my mother, was not really was not really prepared to be a mother. Was not, not you know my father wasn't ready to be a dad. They just had terrible addictions to drugs, alcohol, and it kind of came to a boiling point where my mother had just sold everything in our home. She sold everything for drug money. It got to such a point where. She really couldn't, just, she couldn't raise us. And so she called my grandmother in the middle of the night, said, Hey, come get the kids right now. Can't raise them anymore. If you don't come get them tonight, they're just going to go to the police station. And after that night, my grandparents picked me up, you know, and after that night, I didn't see my, my own mother again for over 10 years. So it was a pretty, pretty tragic time for me and my sister, Sarah. She was two years older than me at the time. We were, you know, abandoned by our parents. We were always back and forth anyways between my grandparents and them. And, you know, shortly after being with my grandparents, Sarah got very sick. She fell ill with brain cancer and it was a huge blow to our family. I think it was just one of those things that the pain of it all is in hindsight. You don't even know how you really got through it. And Sarah dealt with that for about a year and she went into a coma and she just didn't wake up. And for me, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever been through, especially so early on in life. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever lost anyone since or grieved over someone that much since. So for me, it was a huge strike to the heart. You know, I mean, my, my parents had abandoned me and my sister. Now my sister had passed away. And that was my only friend in life, my only companion in life. So I just kind of, I kind of went numb, I think, you know, looking back, it's hard to, it's hard to keep track of any goals I had, any positive experiences I had, any, like there was really nothing going on inside my brain in that, in that sense. You know, I think every kid when, when they're young, they, they're starting to develop these, um, trajectories for their life they're starting to say well i want to be this i want to be that you know they're developing relationships with their parents and they're trying to you know just they're just trying to form a life for themselves and i think for me i wasn't really able to do that that was stunted for me and of course i had wonderful grandparents but it was still that generational gap not having my parents there not having a sister in my life anymore it was looking back it's kind of like i was just floating I was just floating through existence and I really just didn't have anything going on in my head. You know, people probably think, I, I think a lot of people think that I, I was writing songs or, you know, singing melodies in my head or, or just was, you know, listening to the radio all the time. And like that, you know, music was my outlet in that way. But really, man, it was a dark period in my, in my life where I didn't have any music playing in my head. I wasn't writing any songs. I wasn't wanting to learn how to play guitar or anything like that. You know, I didn't know, um, 
I didn't know who God was, obviously. And I'm talking about like my preteen, teen years, you know, I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who I was. I had a lot of insecurity. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of, a lot of shame. You know, there's really a lot of shame uh, because I had internalized everything, all my circumstances. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just these things that were happening to me, but it was, these things are happening because of me. So it was heavily internalized grief and shame and guilt. And I think if it wouldn't have been for my grandparents, shout out to Juwan Keller and Ricky Keller. If it wouldn't have been for my grandparents, really, I don't think I could have ever made it through. Their prayers and their guidance and their companionship and their guardianship really is what brought me through that time. And they were going through it as well. I mean, they had lost, you know, obviously my grandmother's daughter was my mother. So she was grieving over that. And now she had lost a granddaughter. And my grandfather had already lost a daughter from a previous marriage. And now he had lost a granddaughter as well. So it was a lot of pain just happening at once. But man, if it wouldn't have been for them, for them dragging me to church every time the doors were open, for their prayers, for their guidance, like I don't think I'd be here today, honestly, in the way that I am. Now, who knows what could have happened? And I'll never forget, like, <laughs> they took me to a play called Heaven's Gate Tells Flames. And this play still goes on here and there, I think. And they took me to this play that was put on by the local church. And I remember just encountering Christian music and Christian, you know, Christian art forms, like in the first, for the first time ever. And seeing this visual and hearing the music and just getting to see, because the whole play was about eternity, you know, our choices, you know, heaven, hell, you know, the choices we make here on earth, the decisions we, we have to make to who, whom we're going to serve. And when I saw that played out before me, it was just so impactful and really just changed the entire, entire trajectory of my life. And I, I, because of that, I was able to accept Christ at 14. And keep in mind, I was such a shy kid. So it took everything within me to, man, get up out of my seat. Not that you have to do this to be saved, but it's like there was that altar call, you know, it was that moment of public profession of faith. And I got up out of my seat, went to the front, accepted Christ as Savior at 14. And man, if it wouldn't have been for... If it wouldn't have been for my grandmother's prayers, my grandfather's prayers, if it wouldn't have been for, you know, God intervening and putting these people in my life, like, I don't know where I'd be, honestly. And I, I know people bring up, you know, me being a veteran. I think it's a pretty interesting story because people probably assume, oh, well, you know, he's saved now in this story, he's saved. So he's going to start playing music and all that stuff. And that's kind of the end of it. But you know, I started getting into music around 15. You know, I, I had a, a family member that bought me a guitar and things like that. Started getting into music, but I still never thought that I could ever do that for, I don't want to say for a living. I just never thought I would be that person who could ever stand on a stage, sing a song that's going to change somebody's life. I never thought I'd be able to minister in that way. I never thought I'd be able to preach a message. I never thought anything like that because it was just so, there was just so much to overcome. You know, even after I was saved, there was still much, still so much I had to overcome and, and unlearn and then learn. And there was still so much identity that I needed to be able to grasp, you know, my identity in Christ. So at 17 years old, I joined the military because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And it's funny because the Lord still provided a way in the military for me to 
get into worship, you know, cause I, I'd played some stuff in youth group and whatnot, you know, started the band in youth group, sang some songs in front of the church. He provided an opportunity for me at 18, 19 years old to go overseas and actually lead worship for soldiers. And that wasn't originally what I had planned, but that's just kind of what happened because there was a need and the Lord, I mean, really just divine intervention again, brought me to that, brought me to Kuwait and I was able to get hooked up with the chaplains in the area. And man, before I knew it, here I am leading worship for soldiers. And I got to do that for uh, nearly a year. And that was probably one of the biggest awards I've ever gotten. You mentioned the volunteer service medal, <laughs> which is funny. I don't know how many people have received that for leading worship, but that was my, and it was a big shock to me uh, too, that they awarded me that. But I got to do that. And man, through so much encouragement I received from my comrades over there, from fellow soldiers and just the friends I made, you know, their friends. And I came home and immediately started getting into music. And I think all those experiences that I mentioned uh, from the military on back to my trauma, losing my sister, losing my parents and things like that, or the abandoning by my parents, they have shaped my music today. They've shaped my testimony that I preach from the stage of identity and, you know, the love of God and the love of Christ. And it's almost impossible at this point to get away from that. And I know that's all very long, but still to this day, I think all those experiences have really made their way into almost every song, whether it's a fun, upbeat song or it's a slow, you know, sad song, <laughs> you know, they're making it, they're making, or if it's just a worship song, it, it's all made its way in there because it kind of has to, because people know us by our testimony. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always been the goal for me is for people to know me by my testimony through my music. Not, I don't want people to know me because of my music. I want people to know me because of my story. And I want music to be the catalyst of that if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. There's so much in there. For the listener who maybe is praying for somebody who's kind of wandered, I love the, the story of the persistence of your grandparents, and they just didn't give up on you. They just kept praying, and they kept on praying. And sometimes we give up. We think, man, this is taking a lot longer than I, I thought. And man, just amazing. Your grandparents just stood in the gap for you. Literally, they took you in and then they just kept on pouring into you, kept yep. loving on you through this. And they, even though you had really accepted Christ, they still, at that point, they still just persevered. And then that show, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, I've, I've heard of that. And I know that that's just a life-changing show for so many. And I think it's just really courageous for you at 14 to, to make such a response. And so it's just cool how God was kind of wooing your heart at that point. Yeah. And, and probably, you know, just speaking to you about some different things as well. And I love how you wrestled through a lot with your sister and just so many other things of abandonment and that you didn't let those things hold you back. God, he does promise that he will work those things out. He will work good. He doesn't cause those problems, but he does work good from those. And I love hearing that story of how God is bringing those stories and those experiences to light and in, in your encouragement from the stage to other people. So tell us a little bit more about kind of that transition from leading worship for soldiers in the army to pursuing uh, music more as a profession. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. you know, he's working all things together for the good of those that love him and call her according to his purpose. And I think we're all called according to God's purpose. Right. And we, sh and of course it's our free will to love the Lord or not, you know, to serve the Lord is to love him. Of course, to accept Christ is to love Christ. And yeah, I, I love what you said. And like, it's really me coming home and getting into music was really just the providence of God. I mean, seriously, I mean, mm -hmm. he just provided a way 
step up, you know, step after step, he was guiding. And when I came home, my best friend, Luke Dufour, he had just gotten out of audio engineering school and he, his story, he's like, man, I went to California and I was just standing on the beach and I was just looking at the sunset, just enjoying the time. And I just, you, you know, your name just popped it. And at this point, we aren't best friends yet. Like we went to school together, but we weren't like necessarily best friends. And he said, man, your name just popped up in my mind and that you should come in and record, you know, and we, I got a home studio and stuff and you should just come record. And I'd love to, you know, get started with somebody. And I think you could be the perfect person to like, you know, do something with. And I said, perfect, like free recording, like, let's do it, you know, like, it's, it was a great, basically one of those things we're both just starting out and man, I'd already just gotten so much love encouragement from all these people around me, all these godly people around that were just telling me about reassuring me of the anointing that was on my life. And I think there is a difference between talent and anointing. So it's always, it's, it's always been, it's always been one of those things. Like when somebody tells me I'm anointed, I, it, it doesn't necessarily like it, it does make me feel good in the sense it makes me, it reassures me on the right track, you know? And I just got so many words, you know, talking about my anointing and stuff like that, that the Lord had anointed me for worship and that people were getting set free because anointing breaks yokes and from my worship. And so, you know, I, I took that advice and I took that guidance and I stepped into the studio. And before I knew it, doing this really, really terrible demo recording, of all these original songs I'd done, I like wrote 10 original songs looking back that were very bad, at least many of them. Maybe there's some good, good lines in some of them, but it's funny, even through that, even through that really amateur recording, these amateur songs, when I was still finding my, still finding out how to play guitar, finding out how to write songs, there were still people that the Lord had put in my place that saw my potential and they gave me a chance to learn, grow. And before I knew it, I was being invited to Nashville to record. I was able to get on, you know, and, you know, build relationships here to the point where I thought I could move here. And I did. And then immediately got on a tour, got back in the studio, started growing my music again, started. I mean, it was just crazy. Like in the, the first two years that I'm here, just the growth that happened. And before I knew it, I was, you know, getting under management. I was getting signed to a record label, getting in with more established producers. And that's all really on the technical side of things. But I think just the Lord was really wanting to make sure I had that firm foundation when I was here so that I could represent him in the best way possible and give him my absolute best. And I think that's happened. You know, it really has. I've been able to, over these past few years, really grow as a musician, grow as an artist, grow as a person, spiritually grow, you know, in Christ and grow my relationship with him. And I think with that, it's just been, it's been the biggest game changer is like, he has really, just like he put my grandparents in my life, you know, to stand in the gap, like you were saying, he has put all these other people, my best friend, Luke, he's put my Manager Marcus Ricks and my label Amplo Records, uh, my producer Jay Spate, Jeremy Holderfield was a producer of mine. He's put all these people in my path to stand in the gap and and reassure me of my calling, and also making sure that I could be the absolute best I could be, and making sure I'm carrying out my mission. And I think 
and which is really the mission of God, I think, you know, and really my whole thing is just showing people their identity and showing people Christ. And that's really all I want to do. I think, I mean, I know God's will is that all should be saved and none should perish. And, and I think we're still in the soul. This is going to sound extremely Southern Baptist to me, but like we are still in the, we are still in the soul winning business. And mm -hmm. I think that is something that we've gotten away from. And not, this isn't an attack on anybody. It's something we've gotten away from in Christian music, unfortunately. And I think we really need to get back to it is winning souls and showing people their identity in Christ. And that has to be the focus or it's just going to, unfortunately, I think Christian music will become less impactful if we get away from that too much. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I think, especially nowadays, uh, I think we are in a different time where people don't want just a show anymore. People want connection point and God wants to connect with his, with people in so many ways. And I think we've got to get back to, like you said, bringing him glory and not just doing shows. And you yeah, know, th there's obviously it's a profession and you need to kind of entertain and there's different things, but ultimately, you know, if your heart's right and I know yours is, it's really about bringing God glory. And so you said a couple of things there that I wanted to kind of circle back to. And you kept on talking about how people kept on confirming things in your life. And I know that there's a lot of listeners out there that you know, they're like, what is, what is my mission in life? What is, what are my giftings? And I think when we step into those things, God will like keep on confirming that he'll put yeah. people in your life that'll speak into that. And then, so when you're looking for things, man, like what's, what's God telling me to do? Keep your ears open, pray, and then right. expect it, expect to hear other people confirming those things in your life. And then what I love that you said was you just basically started recording music. And I think so many times, especially nowadays, we want to have everything perfect. And God says he'll bless what we put our hands to. And, and he says, don't despise the days of small beginnings. And I love how you just, you did that. And in retrospect, maybe it wasn't the greatest music, but you did it. And then right. God could kind of take it and faith was little, faith was much. And it began to open other, up other doors. Instead of sitting there and waiting for that, that record label to come to you, you went out right. there and you produced music and uh, those things eventually came. And so I know you're working on a new song or you actually just uh, have released a new song called, do you know, can you tell uh, some of the, background behind that new song yeah absolutely that was a that was a song that was brought to me actually by uh, a friend of mine now uh named uh, luke nielsen and he's out of uh british columbia and he brought this song to the table because if anybody knows how the music industry works people will pitch songs to an artist you know they'll be like hey i wrote this song and but maybe they're not an artist themselves luke actually is but he you know, wanted to find an artist to sing this song. And he sends us a demo. We all just like fell in love with the song immediately and got in the studio, finished it and everything. And man, this song really and truly, it's the first song I've ever recorded that I didn't have a hand in writing. But it is also one of the only songs that I've ever had pitched to me that truly felt like I had written it. And it was funny to have that kind of had that experience of singing a song that you feel like you wrote but you really didn't because it just speaks so much into my story because I think and this this song is about the prodigal son but it really is just also about reminding people whether they're backslidden Christians you know you know I mean good lord I could get into that you know but it's like whether they're backslidden Christians who feel like they can never for whatever reason, they can never get back in God's good graces. Or if there's, if there's a Christian right now that is just struggling to, struggling in their faith, you know, struggling to believe, uh, and 
things that are in the Bible and struggling to believe what the Lord says about them, struggling in their identity, or whether it's the sinner who has is not saved, does not know the Lord, does not know Christ, hasn't doesn't know the gospel. You know, this song really is just a reminder that the Lord is he is literally just joyful that to know you and for in that you exist. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard for people to wrestle with and grasp, but the Lord really does love you just because you exist and you are literally his creation. You know, before before you were ever born, he knew you. And and I think that's so important that we are all put on this earth and given free will, you know, by God to make a decision of who we're going to serve and what path we're going to follow. And I am not one of those people that believes that, you know, the Lord has destined some for salvation and some and and some will not be able to receive it. I believe the free gift of salvation is available for every single one of us. And we all have a decision to make to follow the master or not. You know, and you can't serve two masters. So it's this, this whole song is about the love of God and how he loves every single one of us and how he knows us. And he knows the details of our lives. He is, you know, omnipotent, obviously. And so he knows us intimately in, in, in detail and he knows our name. He is joyful to know that we exist and that we are alive and he has a story for us and he has a purpose for us. And I think this as well, that. For those who feel who are saved and are Christians and are struggling, it's not one of these things where we fall down and we got to go all the way back to the starting line and we got to start all over. Got to get baptized again. We got to get saved again. We got to go through the seven step program again and all this stuff. And you know what? If you get baptized again, great. You know what I'm saying? If you if you never actually accepted Christ and you need to accept Christ, amazing. You know what I mean? But it's also one of these things where we need to realize that just because we we fall down doesn't mean that the Lord has abandoned us or that he's forgotten about us. And I love the, I love the, the parable of the prodigal son because, you know, the, it wasn't the son that ran to the father. It was the father that saw the son in the distance and ran to the son. And when he, and when he, he wrapped his arms around the son and welcomed him in, he put the best robe of the house on the son. And the best robe in the house is the father's robe. And I mean, I think it's just an amazing picture in my mind of the the father throwing his robe, the father's robe around the son and saying, welcome back in. Let's throw a feast. Let's throw a party because, you know, my son went wayward, but now he has returned. And I mean, we forget that the, the Lord is not, he's not just in waiting, waiting to punish us and chastise us. There's no condemnation for those that are saved. He is literally just, we are people of free will. We are humans that have free will. And he is joyful when a sheep returns to the flock. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't see a sheep return to the flock to start beating the, the sheep. You know what I mean? Because if you think about the prodigal son, the son had already suffered enough. What, what use would there be to chastise the son when the son had already, he had already tripped over himself so, so many times. And I think that's something we need to realize that the Lord isn't seeking to punish us or to hurt us because we, we sin. It's one of those things where he literally just wants us, wants to love us. And he wants us to know him, know him intimately and follow him because he is the shepherd and he knows what is best for us. And he loves it when, when we return home. So 
this song has so many different layers to it and it's really meant for everyone. I think the ultimate message I just want people to realize is that, you know, Christ is available for them. He, the free gift of salvation is available to them. Christ loves you. The father loves you. And there's really, I mean, in, in my, in, me, in my theological opinion, there's nothing you can ever do that's going to make the Lord completely turn his back on you and forget you or, or not love you anymore. You know, so that love is always available for you anytime you're ready. Um, and what better day than today? So I think that, and that's also part of the song as well. Like what better day than today? Like don't waste another minute. So, yeah. As I'm, as I'm listening, I'm just hearing your heart and I'm, I'm hearing the revelation that you have of your heavenly father. And I'm yeah. kind of thinking about your history, not really having a great or a relationship with your earthly father. And so I'm wondering what encouragement would you give to the listener who is going through a situation that you walked through where you didn't have a relationship with your father or they had an earthly father that really didn't model so much of the heavenly father? What would you say to a listener that's in that situation where they're just going through life and they don't have a really good opinion of father. They don't, in fact, they don't even really want to have a relationship with their father. Wow. You know, I can't remember who told me this. I believe it's an analogy, but there was this kind of maybe cheesy because it's a common, common one. But, you know, there was two sons and there was a father and the father was an alcoholic. And one of the sons was, an also, was also an alcoholic and one of the sons was not. And when they asked the alcoholic son, why are you an alcoholic? He says, well, because my father was. And when they asked the, uh, the sober son why he, why he never drank, he says, well, because my father always drank. So I think there's two different ways you get to look at this, right? You get to look at it from a, you get to look at it from a redemptive, a redemptive standpoint, or you get to look at it from, you get to look at it from a standpoint, well, I can give myself permission to, go down that same path as my parents because that's what they taught me and that's what they did. So it's like we always have the choice to make, right? To live in spite of our circumstances or we can live in our circumstances. And for me, I think what's helped me is realizing that my identity is really not wrapped up in what's happened to me. And I am not actually, and I am Nathan Sheridan is not what's happened to him. And we have got to get back to a point. And I mean, I'm talking to Christians here and those who, who don't know Christ. We've got to realize that we are flesh and things happen to us. But on a spiritual level, on a spiritual level, we are actually creations of God. And we are actually who he says we are. And when we accept Christ, we are actually a new creation. So the Nathan, you know, that was saved at 14 years old, even though we didn't know this at the time, was actually born again and became a new creation. So that when you were a new creation, you were co-seated with Christ and you have the authority that he's given, right? You have the power that he's given. And I, and I believe this, we have to realize, we have to take hold of that identity and we have to put that above, we have to put that above what the world has told us we are and what our circumstances have told we are told us we are. And when we do that, a whole different, I mean, this is going to sound new age almost, but I mean, a whole different, just 
dimension opens up. I mean, a whole different universe starts to open up for you, not just in your brain, but also in your heart, you know, in your soul. You start to realize, wow, I literally am a new man with a new destiny or a new woman with a new destiny, a new story. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that it's never too late to start all over and to grab hold of the identity that we have in Christ, grab hold of the authority that he's given us, grab hold of the the power that he's given us, and then and really, really leaning into that. And I'm not saying that troubles aren't going to come. I'm not saying trauma is not going to be there. I'm not going to say that tribulation doesn't arise. But we have to remember that all those things like our trauma and there's a big mental health craze right now, mental health, mental health, you know. And I and I and I love that in a way and I dislike it in a way. I don't want to put mental health above, you know, our faith, because I I truly believe that, you know, the more faith we have, you know, in Christ, we're going to start to see things shift in our life. And I also don't believe we have to live in depression and we don't have to live in anxiety and things like that. Those things arise. But man, what I'm saying is when we face anxieties, when we face depression, when we face grief, when we when we think about things like being abandoned by our parents, when we have those things that arise up in our life, in, in, in our lives, we have to remember that those things are actually purifying us. They're actually refining us. And, you know, wine is made by the crushing, you know, the crushing of the grapes and, and the eye and the sword is made by the melting of the st- melting of the iron and the forging of it and the folding and the, and back in the fire and folding again, you know, steel is literally the more you fold it, the more you burn it, the more, pure it will be the more the stronger it will be you know the wine the longer you ferment it the longer you crush it and all those things it's going to taste better so i think it's the same exact thing in our life we have to remember all these trials all this tribulation all these circumstances that we're going through this is actually purifying us this is actually letting us step into what christ has for us and realizing that we have a new destiny a new story in him and i know that's so much easier said than done for a lot of people like anybody listening right now they're like yeah yeah, yeah, whatever but i'm telling you if you keep praying about this if you keep praying for for god to show you the identity that he has for you it's going to start clicking and it's going to change your life a hundred percent but you have to have the faith to know that it's true and right now your faith might not be that strong but it's the god who gives us faith so we have to pray for that faith. Like, Jesus, show me my identity. Show me who I am. And it's going to start shifting. We forget about prayer. We forget about soaking in the word. We forget about worship. We forget about praise. And I'll say it again. It's something we've got too far away from in the Christian music industry. We've got to get back to. But I'm telling you, if, if, you start, if you start trying to focus on this and pray into this and soak in this, things are going to start shifting for you. Again, super long-winded, but if anybody out there is struggling with this, this is a good place to start. Prayer, reading God's word, knowing what he says about identity, realizing that your suffering is actually a purification process. Purifying comes through suffering. It's just the truth. It's in the word of God. So just know that and know also you're not alone. You're not alone. We all suffer. We all go through trials. And if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. To know that you're not alone. I know sometimes it feels like we are, but good Lord, we all go through it. I went through it yesterday. Like we're all going to go through it. I went through it this morning, waking up. Like we're all going to go through it. So anybody listening off, off, you know, the cuff a little bit, I love you. You know, 
praying for you, whoever it is listening. And just know that I've been in your shoes. Sometimes I'm still in your shoes. But man, Jesus is there to remind us who we are if we'll just let him do it. He promises. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. He's always with yeah. us. And he's with us through thick and thin, he's through fire, through through storm, through everything. And I'm thinking about, you know, in Corinthians, just how that when you know, when we go through things, like we're better equipped to encourage other people. And I think about your situation. My experience was very different. I had a wonderful father as I grew up, and my wife had a wonderful wow. father. And we've had fantastic examples of of fatherhood. So I'm not equipped to minister to somebody who's not had a father. And so I think your situation, you can connect with people through your story in a way mm-hmm. that I can't. And I think we all have those different experiences. We're, we're equipped through the different experiences that we have to bless others and encourage other people. And, and I think, like you said, when we go through those things, it's refining, it's refining, it's refining. Yeah. And we, do, we can't have growth without pain, without some revelation. We can't have new revelation without going through different things. And I think sometimes Absolutely. I talk with my different friends and they're like, man, I, I kind of like have come to really enjoy challenges and trials because I know I'm growing through things if I'm having those things. And I think that's a really good perspective. Well, even Christ, even Christ himself suffered. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm not just talking about Calvary here or the lashings of the cross. I mean, Christ suffered in his life. You know, I mean, he was tempted in the desert for 40 days, you know, uh, and he, even even Jesus himself had to go through the fire so that it could be an example for you to see like, hey, there even Christ himself had to be purified. You know what I'm saying? Quote, unquote. He had to go through the fire himself. He had to be tempted by the devil himself so that he could show us who he was. And, and so he could show, be an example to us. And mm-hmm. we are called to be Christ-like. So for us to be Christ-like, how can we not go through suffering? How can we not go through trials and tribulations? How can we also not be crucified? You know what I'm saying? Uh, in symbolic. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things we have to remember that the, the God we worship you know, through his son, you know, here down on earth in the flesh also suffered. And even in heaven, when the father or or when the son was crucified, you know, I mean, good Lord, that was, that was his son. Did he not also suffer? You know what I'm saying? So God has suffered, you know, and God grieves for us when we sin, when we go astray, he grieves for us. It hurts him as well. I mean, the father also suffers because of our sin. So it's like, it's one of these things where we have to remember that. I, I love what you said, you're, you're like looking forward to the trials because, and I know that's, it's almost silly because it's like, how can <laughs> right. you look, how can you look forward to bad things? But I mean, we have to remember that what we're facing on a day-to-day basis really is refining us. It really mm-hmm. is making us stronger. Whether we think so or not in the moment, you get out of it and you're like, wow. I'm a stronger person and I can hundred percent say that. But if, if I wouldn't have gone through what I've gone through, I wouldn't be who I am today. Not by any stretch. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we're talking about growth, I'm thinking back to how you just went to the studio, you started recording and you put out those recordings and in retrospect, maybe it's not as great as you could have done or, or whatever, but now through growth, you're actually having the opportunity to tour with music veterans like Kane and Matthew West and Amy Grant. I think that's just really wonderful. But, I want to hear more about what have you learned from sharing the stage with those kinds of musicians? And I think it's, you know, important to remember too, as you, there's so many musicians that have had that kind of platform 
that are no longer on that platform because they didn't have the foundation. They didn't have the stability that you have been able to to gain through the years of going through things. So can you share a little bit more about your perspective on that? And then also just sort of what you've maybe learned as you've shared the stage with such amazing veterans of the music industry. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, just for clarification purposes, I, while I haven't necessarily been on a, you know, huge tour with Amy Grant or Kane or any, anything like that, I've, I've gotten to open up for artists like this and you know, artists such as Matthew West and Kane and recently Ben Fuller's kind of come up and just it's been amazing just to see like the Lord putting me in these positions to get to actually share the stage with some of these people and what I've realized about uh, a lot of these people who make it to that level is like you said some stick around and some don't but it's like man you always you always like when you meet these people after the show and you get to talk with them you get you get an understanding of like when I met Amy Grant, I was like, wow, I get it. You know, like I get it. I mean, she's so. <laughs> it's just one of those things where she's just got a ministry when she speaks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She just has this. She just has this way about speaking and encouraging someone just so natural. And for me, I think it's like it's been one of those things where these people have helped me grow in the way that I've seen them perform and the way that I've seen them share their stories. Amy Grant's an amazing storyteller, by the way, but, and, and, and being, man, just being authentic and being real and being natural and being raw with people, not necessarily like oversharing or undersharing, but just the right amount. I love to do what I love to deliver to people. And I think all, all the artists that I've opened up for have really done a great job of this and all the artists that I'm fans of have done this. I love to give people hope, not just through being authentic and real and raw with people about my everyday things, but also giving them hope through an ideal. You know, people look at me on stage and they see an ideal version of me. And for some people, they might just write that off and be like, well, you know, that's not real. That's not authentic. But it's actually what they're seeing is the absolute best possible version of Nathan. And that is so important for people to see. Because they're really, it gives people hope, you know what I'm saying? And because sometimes we get a little bit too real and a little bit too raw, actually what we end up doing is just discouraging someone, you know? And it's like, we need to, we need to remember that, Hey, we also want to show people the positive side of this. We want to show people like, Hey, I actually get to get up on stage, sing, you know, live my dream, you know, sing, like sing to the Lord. I get to open for these amazing artists and that is an ideal, right? Like for a lot of people, they, they will look up to that and say, man, if he can do that after all he's been through, then I know I can do this, that, or the other, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, they want to go, um, into something in the music industry. If they want to go to a certain college, they want to get into a certain profession. If they want to go minister as well, I think it's so important that people see that ideal because we need encouragement and we need hope. And if we don't have hope, then we really don't have any, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And I think authenticity, the authenticity of an artist that you, especially those ones that you mentioned, because Kane, for example, I mean, they're all over the stage. They wear all these outfits and stuff like that. And they, and they just go crazy. Right. And, and that is the ideal version. You know, they're so fun to watch. But also, 
And that gives people hope, but also there's that authenticity there that reminds people that they're human. So it's like people can also see an ideal version of themselves in their head. And they're like, wow, if, if they can do what they're doing, then I can do what I want. And I think that's so important because the Lord really does have a purpose for every single person. And they need to know that they can do that, you know, and that's what I love about music and the, even the entertainment part, you know, the entertainment part of this industry sometimes gets a little, people kind of hate on it a little bit like, oh, Christian entertainment, you know, that's not really worship or that's not this. It's like, but some of this entertainment really is so valuable because like what I said, it's giving people encouragement. It's letting people have fun and reminding them that there is joy, that there's happiness, that there's positivity. You know, there's optimism. And I don't think we should always just be reminding people of their trauma, you know, of their pain. So it has to be a really good balance, man. And maybe that's kind of a, not a necessarily very common viewpoint. That might be a hot take for me, but I really do find value in Christian entertainment and stuff that isn't necessarily worship or praise, but it's still providing, you know, it shows people a heart of flesh, man. It shows people that we're human, we're real, but we also are getting to do this awesome thing. So, yeah, I hope that helps. But it's and and seeing all those and seeing all those people do that has helped me as well. It's given me hope. Yeah, you know, I you hit on something I think is really important, and it's this idea of authenticity, right? And I think like so right. many times people want to be authentic, you know, on TV or in the media or in the arts or whatever it is. And we automatically think that it's almost like linked with negativity. I just got to be open and share all the bad things too, right. you know? And like you said, we all have challenges, but in being authentic, it doesn't always have to have that negative spin. It matters where you put your butt And What I mean by that is I, I'm going through these things, but God is faithful and he's going to get me through. But so many times right. we spin it and in trying to be authentic, we say, God is faithful, but I'm going through these things. And, you know, right. we take this negative spin of it. And I think, you hit it on the head where we have to make sure in being authentic, especially with listeners and with people that we're encouraging, that we do put that butt in the right place. You may be going through this, but God is bigger. He'll help you get through all this. You also hit on this topic of our stories encouraging other people. That's why we do the show, Mission Life, is we believe faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word. And the Word of the person, it's Jesus Christ. And it's what Jesus is doing in other people. And when people hear what Jesus is doing in other people, it gives them the faith to say, man, if he did it for him, or if he did it for her, man, he'll do something for me. If I'm if I'm being faithful and I'm using the gifts and the talents and and obediently serving him the way that he's called me, man, like I can expect amazing things too. And so that's right. I love how you brought that to light, and that's just really you know kind of a key component of this show. Yeah, and people need, and, yeah, and that's why it's so important for people to see joy. It's so important for mm. people to say joy. You know, getting getting away from the whole you know woe is me thing and putting that butt on the end it's like but i still have an amazing life i have an amazing daughter who's laughing downstairs to bluey you know and it's like i'm getting to break generational cycles i'm getting i have an amazing wife i have an amazing career that's still growing you know that's still on the ground floor really compared to people i look up to you know one of my favorite bands ever for king and country really just love their love their story, love their heart. I mean, those guys have been through a lot. Their family's been through a lot, you know, mm. so much so they've made several movies out of it, you know? So it's like, there's so much to unpack there, but man, seeing what they do, seeing how great they perform and seeing how passionate they are about sharing their gift and giving and giving God their absolute best. 
that's given me hope as an artist. You know, that's given me an ideal to look to and say, you know what, if they can do that, if they can give this much passion, give this much effort to their, to their dream and to what the Lord has put on their heart, then I know I can do that too. And I will do that. And I, and it may take me a lot longer to get there than it took them, but you know what, I can do that. And it's so important to make sure that we're seeing joy through the midst of people's pain. And that's, we need to start wrapping up our testimonies in that way. You know, if we're not pointing people back to Christ and the goodness of God and the joy in Christ, then what are we really doing? Because we're not really going to be giving people that hope and people with, I'm telling you without hope, we really do not have anything without hope. We have to have hope. Otherwise, otherwise really everything we say will fall on deaf ears. I think. Yeah. You know, we think love, joy, peace, those 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 yeah. fruits of the spirit. We all walk through different challenges like we talked about earlier. And sometimes it's so easy to kind of let go of joy, but joy is a defining characteristic. And it's really Absolutely. especially in today's day and age, that it's almost um lacking in so many places. And so when yeah. people see joy, it, that's like that lighthouse. That's like that that beacon that brings in like how do they have joy in the midst of pandemic? How do they have joy in the midst of financial chaos? How do they have joy in the midst of all these things going on, war and around the world? Wow, I want to know their story. How can they have light on their faces in the midst of all these things? Right. And people like Nathan and whoever say, "Hey, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus. He brings joy. He brings yeah. joy. He's with you in those situations." So, absolutely. Hey, you, as we wrap up the conversation here, just be kind of respectful of your time. As someone who's experienced kind of personal hardships and triumphs, like what's one final message of hope or encouragement you would like to leave with our podcast audience? I'd like to say it may sound cliche, but I'll say it again. You're not alone. You're not, you're not dealing, you're not necessarily dealing while you may feel like your situation has never happened before in the history of mankind. I can almost guarantee you it has. And I guarantee you, I can give you several examples of someone that's got through it with the power of God. And it's like, you know what? I'm an example. And you know what, Dan, I don't know you too well, but I'm sure you're an example in some ways. And there are so many people, if you just look around you, that have been through similar things and that have gotten through it, they're still alive, they're still here. And that's so important to realize, again, hope, right? That there's somebody out there that's been through what you've been through. They've experienced the same emotions that you, you're feeling right now. And I would just remind you, like, you're not alone and you are loved by a heavenly father. He knows your name. He literally knows your name. He knows you exist. He knows what you're going through. He's in the details. He wants to be part of the solution. He wants you to have faith that he can be part of the solution. And his word is him, if that makes sense. He is the word. Search his word. Pray to him. You know, in the beginning, there was the word and the word was with God, right? He, he is the embodiment of the Bible. He, he is the embodiment of the gospel. So I just encourage you, read the gospel, search the gospel, pray to the Father, know that you're not alone in this world. Have the faith that things are going to get better and that your suffering isn't for, it's not for nothing, if that makes sense. It's not, it's, you're not just going through this for no reason because you're going to come out purified on the other side and you're going to come out strong. So don't give up, never, never, ever give up and never lose hope because if you don't have hope, really, if you don't have hope, then what do you have? And I think we, our hope obviously needs to be in Christ, but if I could just encourage anybody out there, remember who you are. Remember that you're loved. Remember that you are not forsaken. You're not forgotten. You have a heavenly father that loves you. And 
he's not, he hasn't just forgotten you, but he's fighting for you. And that his will for you is that, you know, his will for this whole world is that all should be saved and none should perish. And he really does love you enough that he, he can't, you know, he sent his only son to die for you. And that means you are significant. You're not insignificant. You're extremely significant because Christ died for you individually, just like he died for me individually. And when he was on the cross, he remembered you in the same way that he remembered me before I remembered me before I ever existed. Right. He knew me. So that's so important to know that this is all flesh and we are we are literally we are so we are so much bigger than what we feel. Our significance is so much bigger than we realize and that we can't give up because of our tribulations. And just know that I love you guys as well. And I'm praying for you and I'm praying for healing. I'm praying that whatever circumstances you're going through, that there be breakthrough in that. And I'm sure Dan and Amanda are praying for the same uh, because that's so important that these podcasts, you know, we talk about these things. And I'd also encourage you guys get plugged into a local church. Why not? Right. Get plugged into a local body. I mean, get plugged in, guys. You you don't even know what can change until or, or what you're really going through until you can find somebody. Or that you're not alone until you go out there and find some people that have been through the same things, right? And I promise, what better place than the local church? There's there's trauma all over it. You know what I mean? Just go. I promise you. You know, so go in there, man. Get plugged in. Really try. Just try. And it may, you know, you may have to go to a couple churches before you find the right one that's kind of just fits, you know, or that you feel the Lord saying, hey, you know, be here. But don't forsake the fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Don't forsake fellowship. Don't forsake gathering with the body. And that's hard, even hard for me sometimes. You know, I'm on the road. I don't always get to go to church. I don't always get to get fed like that, but go get fed. So, so much advice there. <laughs> Take it all, wrap it up in a bow. But I'm pro- I promise you guys, if you start taking steps towards your healing by doing some of these things I've talked about or all these things, you're going to see such a huge shift in your life. Seriously, once you start grabbing a hold of identity, once you start walking out your faith, trying to increase your faith, man, so much is going to change when you start making Christ the focus and ser- and seeking him, okay? And that's, man, that's so important. It really is. You're going to start to see things shift for sure. So good. How can listeners engage with you and your music and stay connected with the music journey moving forward? You can find me on the gram. Instagram, you can find me on TikTok, you can find me on Facebook for socials and stuff like that. You can listen to my music. I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube. Just look up Nathan Sheridan, you know, Pandora. Pandora loves me for whatever reason. So go check me out there. And yeah, just I, really anywhere there's social media or anywhere there's music. I'm even on X, formerly known as Twitter. So I think my username is I'm Bible Man. I need to change that probably, but. <laughs> If anybody remembers Bible Man, shout out to you. But uh, all good stuff. You go and just wherever, wherever there's social media or wherever there's music, pretty much find me there. Awesome. Listeners, we'll have those links in the show notes. Nathan, what an honor having you on the show. Thank you for sharing so much of your story and, and encouraging our listeners with so much godly wisdom. What a blessing. We speak favor over everything you put in your hand to. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And too bad Amanda couldn't be here, but shout out to Amanda. Amen. Amen.